Welcome to Stepping Into Health, Inspiring Conversations with Tamara Ortigal. Join me for engaging conversations with people who are shining their light in the world. You will hear us chat about business, relationships, spirituality, community, hobbies, and health, all the things that contribute to our vitality and wholeness. Although I love to talk about food as medicine, energy healing, and other holistic modalities, at the root of my health coaching practice are these questions. Why do you want to be healthy? And what steps are you willing to take to get there? Through my podcast, I hope to increase your awareness of what is possible and to inspire you to take action. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Neil. Hi, Tamara. How are you? I am good. I'm good. It's nice and sunny out today, so I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Spring is on its way, definitely. Yeah. I know it's good. I like winter, but I, you know, I love the change in season and I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I am so ready for winter to be over. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I'm excited to talk with you today. Um, you know, I feel like right now with everybody doing everything at home, the computer is either your friend or your foe. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know you work hard to make sure everybody's technology is up and running to uh, suit them. So maybe to begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, you know, uh, my name is Neil Wankoff. I'm the owner of Prairie IT Services. I've been in the IT space for 20 years or a little bit more than that now. Um, I just going back a little bit, I was grew up in Connecticut and made my way out to Chicago um, around year 2000 and I've been living here ever since and worked for many years as IT manager for a commercial property developer based in the Chicago area and uh, you know uh, things changed over time and they one day they were like hey why don't you go off and start your own business and we'll be your first customers. And from, you know, from the last almost seven years now, I've been pursuing that dream. Yeah. I love that, that you made that smooth transition and you started your own business with, you know, a group of people that you already knew and served internally so that it's really nice to just make that shift to an external. Environment. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, there, you know, I feel like I'm still part of that extended family and it's just been a great relationship. And I so appreciate all of their support of me during this time. Yeah. Um, did you study computer science or IT or anything like that in college or what, what drew your interest in technology? You know, I've going back to when I was a kid, um, my, I have two older brothers and they would come home with uh, books, you know, from high school or college. You know, they, I mean, this was going back to when my older brother did the punch cards. And I always thought it was just interesting. And I just picked up those books and would look at them. And uh, my parents got me like an early computer when I was a, you know, a teenager and I had an interest in that. And then um, kind of tapered off for a long time. And then after I graduated college, I went back and got a job uh, and I sat down at a desk and there was a computer and I just became interested again and sort of became the person who people would walk up to with like random questions about how to do something on the computer and, um, and just pursued it from there. I eventually went back and I did get a, a 
certificate of programming from the University of Washington, and then um, decided to then shift my focus into into doing more IT work. And I just would go to the Barnes and Noble borders or whatever and buy like a 700 page book and plow through it and got and get certifications. And I got my uh, sort of self-taught that way. And, um, but I always was like, you know, how do I curious about how these things work and how um, to sort of get more knowledge to, to fill in the gaps of what I was missing um, to accomplish whatever I was trying to do. So um, that led me to get a, this job and, I then um, got some more education through an online um, course, and I um, got a few Cisco certifications. Um, but no, I never had like a formal, you know, uh, computer science education from a, a university. Yeah, so I think that's I, the best way. You know, you know, like you just are a natural at it. My um, my oldest son is kind of like that. He just if he needs to solve a problem, he will search out solutions, you know, in books and online platforms and things like that. And, you know, I think you get to know things on a deeper level when you're digging, when you're digging for answers, because you come up with all kinds of other pieces of information in addition to the one thing you were really looking for. So, you know, um, I, I think having an engineering degree is, a great opportunity to develop a process and a skill set to help you solve problems. I think it's, but it's not something that I pursued at that age and I wasn't going to go back and spend the money, uh, you know, to acquire that. And I, and, and I was doing reasonably well without it. So, you know, at fourth, I went out into the world to accomplish what I could. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Tamara. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what, um, what, what are the kinds of customers that you work with on a regular basis? Well, I, you know, I do work with a broad range of businesses and individuals. Um, we work with about 60 businesses that range from, you know, solopreneurs to 75 people. And um, so we try to, you know, work with each business where they are to help them accomplish the goal of successfully um, providing whatever service that they do. So, for example, um, I have one client who has people that work for him in in different parts of the world. And so we have a uh, infrastructure set up in the cloud to enable people to do that um, without because obviously we can't go to Africa or Asia or wherever that they're located in order to you know set them up with a computer uh, we have companies that uh, we provide a managed service for which is they pay us almost a, they pay us like a subscription rate and we take care of everything and when you talk about all the things that re- are required for a fully functioning business from cybersecurity to um, desktop management and email, um, bringing on employees and um, having a procedure in place for when an employee leaves. We take care of everything in those areas from top to bottom. And then, you know, occasionally we'll work with a home 
person who um, we have a connection with and we'll, we'll, we'll get, answer their questions. Um, a lot of times we can help them by accessing their computer remotely. Um, occasionally we'll have to do an onsite, for example, um, someone just need, just didn't have the wherewithal to unbox a bigger printer and, um, config, you know, set it up and move it around to where the different pieces where they needed to be on their desk. And so, you know, we're happy to help with that as well. So, um, we work with a wide range and that makes every day interesting and different and, and you know, most of the time it's pretty fun, um, you know, to uh, find new challenges. And, you know, with tech is constantly changing. So we're always looking at how we can do things differently and better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to work in some tech environments and I'm not technical at all. So I'm definitely that person that might say, <laughs> <laughs> I unboxed it, now what? <laughs> but um, I worked for a small division of our Donnelly for my first career and the division was called database technology services. And so it was, we took people out of the manufacturing environment and stuck them on these teams where now all of a sudden the information was going to go on servers and floppy disks and things like this. And so, you know, they, they were technical, you know, with the specific equipment that they had been using, but now it was all on their desk, you know, and, um, and with, you know, the bigger servers and stuff like that. So it was a big transition for them, but just, you know, the ability for them to, you know, use their mind in a way that was different and to, you know, a lot of problem solving and playing like tweaking and playing with things and figuring it out. Like, like you would with the Lego system, you know, Mm hmm. And, yeah, I mean, just talking about, you know, technology transitions has been so dramatic over the last 20 years, or 25 years. And it requires a little bit of a different mindset than um, a very process driven type uh, job, like maybe in manufacturing to one where, you know, the skills that you have today might be this not exactly the same skills that you're going to need a year from now. And um, I know that's a challenge for some people to be constantly up against change, but it's also a great opportunity if you look at it from the point of always looking for new challenges or new opportunities. Yeah, we have to have a growth perspective. I think things are moving yeah. so fast that yeah, you can't get fixated on these are the skills I have and I want to find places I can use them. You have to build on what you have and and try to grow. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I had um, just a few years ago, I had a job um, with an organization called Field Glass. And about the time I was leaving, they were bought by SAP. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was surrounded again by all these t technical people and um, the energy, I think, is really cool. Like when you're surrounded by people working in that way, um, you know, we had a, I, I helped remodel the space. And so we built um, a bar area to host lunches and happy hours and things like that. And we put in an Xbox system so people could take a break. And, um, and so the, the line became blurry between when are you working and when are you playing, you know, because it, you know, the way that they were playing was also very similar to the way they work. And so it was funny. Um, yeah, I worked for uh, 
startup for a short while in the early around 2000 and that is how it was you know you 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 worked hard but they also gave you you know some benefits like you know food or drinks and some games and but you were you know also there for a very long period of time so i can understand how those kind of things and also a stressful environment it's good to have a, a way an outlet to you know work with your team play with your team members and then you go back to work yeah I, I think it's it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah it was really cool um so talk to me about what what was it like with the pandemic with your clients were they able to, to actually still go into their offices or did they have to work from home so um Almost all of my clients just closed the door and said, work from home. Um, and the vast majority of them already had systems in place in order to allow them to, to either, you know, do what's called VPN back to the office from a mm-hmm. uh, company supply computer, or we had a system where they could remote desktop to their computer back at the office from a personal computer. Uh, so the first couple of weeks when things were shut down were really busy for us because we were just getting people situated at home, helping them. Perhaps they always had the, the ability to do these things, but had never really had to. And now they were doing it for the first time. And so really the first two weeks were like, you know, just incredibly busy then things really dropped off for us. Um, we went like, you know, maybe like six weeks with very minimal work. I think that's probably true for a lot of people where, you know, like there was a period of time where it was a real lull just in all kinds of activity. But um, things started to pick up around, uh, you know, eight weeks after that. And then they've just been going and growing every month ever since. And actually, beginning of this year, it's been there's been a lot of activity since since January one in terms of like new clients and new opportunities. So um, yeah, I mean, it was an incredible, crazy time. Um, hope that we are like you know at the very end of it and uh, ready to to you know get. I'm ready to get back to some kind of uh, personal interaction with people. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I feel the same way. I, I'm grateful for Zoom and the telephone, and um, I'm grateful for the outdoors because I, I do see a lot of people face-to-face outside, um, yeah. and I'm able to do that with the work that I do. So, um, Some of my clients are still not, they're, they're still not in the office, and um, I don't know if, when they're going to go back. And I have a client who is has a, a, a decent size office um, downtown Chicago and we're into talking about, well, maybe we'll just have two, a two, like two offices and a conference room and everyone will just work from their, their homes going forward. So, I mean, I don't think that the, the transition to some sort of more hybrid model is, is still progressing. We'll continue in that direction. At, I don't see anything interrupting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what's going to be kind of cool is there's always been a lot of people who wish they could work from home and just couldn't because their employer couldn't envision how that would be successful for them. And now they proved that they can. So 
you know, you'll have those people who are like, okay, I'm going to stay home because this really works for me. And then there's a whole faction of people who can't wait to get back to the office <laughs> and separate work from home. <laughs> yes, I know there are some people who are like, you know, just desperate for the one, you know, face-to-face -face meetings. Um, and how that works, it may be still different. So uh, a lot of, I mean, the concept of hoteling office space is not new where you can walk in you can sit down at a desk, not your desk. You know, you might have a, a drawer that you pull out from some central space that contains your, your hand lotion, your pens and your pencils and your, your, your sticky notes and your mug. And you sit down and you go to work and you, on your laptop and maybe you have a desk phone where you log in and you work for the day. And then when you're ready to go, you just clean your desk off and, log out of your phone and put your your things back in the cubby yeah <laughs> and, and you go home and then maybe you're not back for another three days so i, I think uh, you know there's there's already this hybrid model that it that will be utilized by a lot of companies yeah it is really great because yeah over the last what maybe five or ten years this open concept uh floor plan at work has evolved and um stand-up desks and um, I know back to field glass when I helped them remodel their space, we took refurbished bowling um, alley and cut it into pieces for desks. So there were no drawers. Um, so you did sort of show up with whatever things you needed and you BP end in and you worked. And so it didn't really matter if you were working in a conference room or at a, at a desk table per se. Um, so I think, you know, thankfully we've been going in that direction. So this won't be such a big adjustment for people. Yeah. sounds like it was a cool office. It was. With it bowling is, alley it's, desks. It, yeah. It, it's a really cool company. I have to give a plug to them because yeah, this, this area uh, feels that's was a, it is a really cool company. So if people are looking for a new job, they should check them out. There's a location in um, Naperville and one in Chicago. Oh, wow. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, so tell me, uh, you know, do you do training for your clients to help them utilize the systems that you're giving them? Or do they do that outside of your interaction? Well, typically I don't sit down and say, we're going to have a formal training. And the reason why I haven't is because there's people that are so differently abled in technology that it would be boring for the people that are, have some ability or over the head of people that don't. So, you know, to start, you know, at the very basics would be, may not be suitable for a lot of people and, you know, for others it would be, and, you know, we're not, we don't have like a huge population. So and I, I have recorded some like little individual videos or I share videos from vendors that would be on a specific topic. That way people can watch it at the time of their choosing instead of sitting down in a group at a time when usually, you know, even if you, you set this far in advance, there's always a, a, a decent segment that for whatever reason aren't able to make it. So I, I don't usually do that, but what, what, what I'll do is people have questions. I'll, I'll talk to them and help them better understand. So like, I, I, I like to work this way. And I think people work better, you know, like instead of telling people how to do it, I like try to get them to do it while I'm talking to them 
So I think there's like some kind of proverb that says like, you know, if you hear it, you forget it. If you, if you see it, you remember, if you do it, you understand it. So I oftentimes will work side by side with the person, either, you know, in person or virtually even, and I will show them exactly what they need to do. And, but without completing the operation, and then I'll ask them to do it. Um, while I'm watching to, you know, sort of give them the confidence and the muscle memory in order to um, complete that task in the future. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the second thing that I, the one thing that, one thing, the thing that we do for all of our managed service clients and some other clients is we provide a cybersecurity training to, um, all of their employees. So they have access to a annual cybersecurity training that kind of just gives them the basics of how to protect themselves and the, the business from threats. And then they receive um, a weekly email with a short video with like on a, on an up, up-to-date topic or reminder of what to do in certain situations. And they're like two minutes long. And I just think it's, it's so important to have that awareness of what kind of scams are going on on the internet to protect yourselves, your data and the business really. Yeah. I know I was, I noticed on your Facebook feed that, yeah, you have some things about identity theft um, as well. So people need to worry about this personally and professionally. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge problem right now. And, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, the value of an identity on the internet is, you know, you could buy them for like a dollar. I don't know the going price, but it's, it's so inexpensive. So to be, you have to, you know, there's a lot to be monitoring, you know, your computer habits, your, your credit reports and scores. I mean, it, it is, something that requires time and effort on everyone's part to protect themselves. And it's, it's a shame because, you know, we really, it's not product productive time necessarily, but it's required. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing, you know, we can be naive and not even think that we would be a target. You know, I don't know that these people pick people on purpose. Um, My sister-in-law had a really horrible situation last week she didn't shut her, her, close her files. And um, she opened her computer to someone on the other end um, who invited her to, you know, asked her to show them parts of her body. It was ridiculous, you know, and um, it really scared her. So of course her instinct was just to close the laptop, um, thankfully, but, um, but gosh, you know, that kind of is sitting with her like, how did this person pick me? You know, <laughs> like, holy cow. Right. Um, and I, I, I think it seems like it's probably random, but um, what do you think about that? Do you think people, the identity theft, crazy people are, you know, I don't know. What, how do you think that happens? Well, I think a lot of it is sort of random. Like they'll send out emails to people that are well-crafted to, create a sense of urgency on the part of the potential victim, whether that means something about uh, uh, 
a misleading statement about a, a credit card charge or um, like an alert about a virus on your computer, you know, you need to have this repaired, click here. Um, it's something that will that will have like an emotional response to the person where they don't necessarily think before they act. Then they act on whatever it is that the, this email hat or potentially a website is presenting to you. And then that's opening up the door to the hacker, the con artist to, you know, either steal information from you and, you know, implant a virus or do some other kind of malicious activity. There are companies that um, these people will target. So they'll, for example, they'll look at a business owner, they'll find that person's name, then they'll find the executive assistant or maybe a financial person or a bookkeeper, a controller, someone who's handling finance, and they will send an email that makes it appear to be coming from the business owner asking the subordinate to do some sort of financial transaction with them, whether that be uh, changing uh, wiring information, wire fraud. Uh, it could be, I need some kind of gift card, you know, buy these gift cards and send me the gift card codes. Um, and it, since it appears to be coming from the business owner, sometimes the, the person who, who's doing these transactions just Maybe they're busy and they just want to get this thing done and move on to the next next task, or they just react without thinking. That money now is gone. You can't. You know, very difficult to recover that money. So, you know, that's called spear phishing, and these are just some of the many different techniques that these people are using to manipulate people criminally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that that identity theft in 2021 was double or 2020 was double what it was in 2019, correct? Yes. And well, I don't know about I'm sure if that's true. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but one of the big issues in corporate America, businesses and even personally is ransomware, where attackers can find a way into your network or your computer, they put a program in there they can get into different computers they have access to and then you go to work one day and all the files are encrypted and and sometimes they'll even take these files which might contain personally identifiable information credit cards health records all kinds of information and they'll before they encrypt it they will copy it they will take it off the network onto some other place where they can hold you hostage. So they're going to tell you that you need to pay. Well, okay, we're not going to pay you because we have a backup or whatever reason. Um, then they have the files. Well, well then they then they threaten to release these files on the internet if you don't pay. And it could be embarrassing. It could be a lot of regulatory and compliance issues around that. So there's a big. Um, they have a lot of leverage over these businesses. So just to give you a scale of it, I mean, I think I think last year it said that the ransomware industry, because really it is an industry, it's led by groups of uh, 
organized crime, that are large groups that are organized, that are well-structured, that have business models. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's their uh, annual take last year was something in the order of $12 billion. Oh my goodness. So it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and so with that kind of revenue, you can imagine a lot of people are, you know, getting in the game unfortunately. So it's some, so cybersecurity is something that everyone needs to take very seriously. Um, but it doesn't require a tremendous amount of effort. It just requires some effort to uh, make yourself less of a target. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But education is the, really the first step. Yeah. Right. We just need to be aware and not, uh, yeah. yeah, not yeah. think it can't happen to us. Right. Exactly. So, I have a client on first, you know, first day. I'm like, well, we, we need to change this because this is very, well, very insecure. And they, their response was, well, we've had this way for a long time. There's never been a problem. And that is a, a, an approach that, you know, is say, says like, well, I'm, I have my door unlocked, but no one's ever come in. You know, it, it, it's just a matter of time before someone walks up to your door and tries to, tries to, open turn the handle you know so it's important to not leave these things unattended and that's where someone like me or anyone else with it experience can come in and look and and try to point out where your weaknesses are and it's good to have that kind of evaluation to know you know what you need to do in order to protect yourself and your business yeah, that's a really good point because, right, we do a lot of things for ourselves, you know, especially small business owners might be inclined to do their own taxes and a lot of things, but technology could be that one place where you say, you know, once a year, let me have someone come in and make sure that yeah. I'm going to be protected. Yeah. What, another area that people tend to sort of not keep up with is with their usernames and passwords. Um ideally you have a different password for every online service that you're accessing, but, it, and, and a well-crafted password that would not be easily guessable. So how do you maintain, manage that being personally? I even in, on a personal level, I have hundreds of logins to email accounts, banking accounts, um, school things for my, my family, um, any number of, I mean, almost everything, my insurance company, you know, I pay it online. So you have a web, you have a username and password. Well, there are programs or, or web services called password managers where you can keep your passwords and your username stored there easily to um, access when you need it. And it, you can put it in that way and, highly recommend doing that because I mean, either you put it down on a piece of paper, which is hard to find, you can't carry it with you, or you can lose it or on a file on your computer, which again, not ideal. And it's not encrypted probably, but these password managers are very, they're, they're, they're high security operations and they have, you know, enable you to take these passwords with you wherever you go. Of course, usually you have to have like some method, one, one password that authenticates you into this um, storage of your, of your personal information, your passwords and your credentials. So you have to have at least one that you can remember. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. Well, yeah. I have mine written down. I told my wife where to find it in case something ever happens to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you have a favorite? Um, do you want to tell people maybe your your one or two favorite uh, software? You pack? can look at um, um, LastPass. I use KeePass. I'm probably gonna not continue to use KeePass because it's a little bit old school. But it's sort of, you know, it does what I need it to do. Um, but yeah, like last pass or first pass would be, are very popular. Okay. There are others. There are many others. There, there you know, you, 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 yeah, if you had 10 IT people in the room, you'd probably get, you know, 11 opinions about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. We all have our favorite technology, right? But, but the important thing is to use something to help you manage the usernames and passwords so that here's another situation where there's a, where, where, where we run into problems is most people have four or five passwords that they use and maybe they you know very close to each other and what they sound like what they look like and if a company a website if uh, what happens is people will be able to breach their databases and then they can export that information to their own person for their own personal malicious use. And then what happens is they do what was called credential stuffing, which means they'll take your email or your username and password that they've discovered on another, you know, uh, vendor and they'll try it on many different websites. And oftentimes if you're only using four or five, you're, they're going to find, 10, 15, 20% of your accounts that way and get and access them. Another important thing to do is make sure that you're using multi-factor or two-factor authentication on as many services that you can um, that allow it. So, you know, username, password is great, but what's even better is if it requires a special code that either text you or call you or you get from a special application on a mobile device to add that extra layer of um, authentication and make sure that in the event that someone take, finds your password or is able to decipher what your password is, they won't be able to access your, your information because you have yet a second factor of authentication that's required, which is something that you have being a code, a, a fingerprint, a, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is so interesting right now with facial recognition and, you know, fingerprint recognition and things like that. It can be scary. But now I think the second uh, verification does give you peace of mind that when they're asking yeah. you, did you really initiate this transaction? And you can say, yes, I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, with, we're having this talked about privacy issues, but I mean, that is something, but I think it, that is important, but is also more important to get the first piece right, which is the protection um, of your personal assets. I mean, if they get into your bank account that I would rather, you know, have to have the second factor authentication that, to worry about, you know, um, being responsible for something that was lost financially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, these, these tips are so good for small business owners and individuals. 
um, at yeah. work and at home. So this is really helpful. Um, if people yeah. want to stay in touch and continue to learn some tips from you, you have a newsletter, correct? Yes, um, we, we, we do. The best place to go is to find um, Prairie IT Services on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn, or you can follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Um, that uh, My name's Neil Wankoff, and uh, I think on Twitter, my handle's Prairie IT underscore Neil. Okay. <laughs> and on, uh, yeah, Facebook, we're like Prairie IT Services. So yeah, we, we can be found. And then um, also our website, www.prairieits.com. Uh, we have um, daily posts on there, oftentimes related to cybersecurity issues or just general computing issues. Um, and you can access it that way too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And I, I, I'm sure people are picking up great tips and things to think about. And uh, I'm sure they'll check out your website and connect with you if they have uh, an opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Neil as much as I did. If you are a small business owner looking to outsource your IT function, please get in touch with Neil. His team at Prairie IT Services is ready to help you with your day-to-day -day activities as well as your cybersecurity needs. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our upcoming episodes. Feel free to leave a comment so we can learn more about you. We're building a community where we can all learn together. If you would like help making some changes in your life, please visit my website, www.tamaraortigal.com to schedule a chat. I would be honored to help you develop a plan that addresses your specific needs. Have a wonderful day. Be well.